What's happening? This is the Tap In Podcast. We are live inside of the Tap In studio. Um, I got a special guest with me. With everything going on, I needed somebody to come in here and um, help me with my my, my mental state. Uh You know what I mean? Uh So, um, y'all, please welcome Helena. She's a, you are, Helena, now you are a a therapist, right? Yeah, Okay. that's correct. Okay, now explain ex- exactly what therapy a therapist is. Do they just come in and just you just talk and tell your problems or okay. what? No. So my official title is a licensed professional counselor. So you gotta go through you know a master's program and get a master's degree type thing okay. to be able to talk to people. However, um, a therapist focuses on the mental, the physiological symptoms of a person and the behavioral symptoms of a person. Oh, okay. So if someone comes into my office and they have a problem. I'm not just listening. I'm actually giving them coping skills and tools that will help them, um, perspectives and things like that. Really, we shy away from giving advice. Really? Yeah, it's not. Our, it's really not our job. So you guys just to listen and give them some tools to to handle those issues? Yeah, so we, we try to get you to move through your own problem, but we give you perspectives as you move through the problem. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. And and how long have you been practicing? I've been practicing for five years. I am owner of Better You Counseling LLC in Grapevine. Okay, Better Youth. Better You. Oh, Better You. Helping oh, okay. you become a better you. Helping me. Yes. Oh, okay. That and part. it's in Grapevine. It's in Grapevine. Now, with everything going on, has your clientele expanded? Has it got? Have you been getting more? Oh man, it's crazy! <laughs> it's crazy. So, I'll be very honest. Um, when I first moved to the location that I was at, I had a predominantly white um, audience. Really? Yeah, absolutely. And um, I was working off Kimball in South Lake, and I moved five minutes, literally, over Northwest Highway to where I'm at now on my own practice. And since all of this has started. My clientele is probably fifty-fifty now. Really? Yeah. See, yeah. and and I know I know just from my history, a lot of people I know don't go to don't don't go seek therapy. Yeah, it's not a thing. You know what I mean? Like, in the, why do you think that is in the black community where we don't go seek therapy and get help? Because I feel like black people deal with a lot of stress yeah. on the daily. Um, especially when now everything's going on. Like, I, I want to talk about race. I always been like one to point it out. Yeah. But after so much, it becomes a lot. You know Absolutely. what I mean? It's hard to manage. Yeah. yeah. I think for us, you know, African-Americans being one myself, we are taught, you know, just trust God. You know, mm. that whole perspective, like, you know, um, black women are the strongest, you know. So it's kind of like, oh, just put it all on your back, carry it. And then when you break down, just get somebody else to help you carry it. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Versus like, oh, you know, go ahead and get you some mental health. You know, that's a thing nowadays. I will say millennials are more invested in millennial health than, you know, previous generations. Really? Like, they are all about it. They wear T-shirts about it. They having a therapist is a conversation when you first meet someone. But in our community as a whole, we don't seek it out. And I really think, honestly, we can't afford it. Uh, so it's not something that you can put on like your insurance or anything like that. It is. However, I don't know if you are aware, depending on what area you live in, they do what's called insurance populations. Yeah. Mm. So like, for example, I work in the South Lake Grapevine area. 95% okay. people have health care insurance. Mm. Now you take that to somewhere maybe South Oak Cliff or somewhere. That's not going to be the same case. Got you. You see what I mean? So yeah. lower poverty areas are not going to have insurance particularly. 
And so I feel like that's a factor when you talk about African-Americans wanting to get therapy. Now, I'm not saying that goes for everybody. Absolutely right. not. You know, right, right. people out here grinding, getting right. it. They got right. insurance. Right, right. And so I'm, I'll just, because I got a bunch of questions, yeah. right? Um, as far as like um, you, right? Like at the end of the day, you still a human being. Absolutely. Right. How does how does a therapist handle everybody just dumping their problems on you? How do you handle that? It's called vacations. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Well, honestly, you know, okay. um, extreme self care practices. When I first started out, I can I kid you not. When I first started out, I was taking everything home. I was stressed out. I was depressed myself. And then I remember my supervisor telling me, "You got to learn how to compartmentalize." Mm. And so now what I do whenever I take a session in, I just don't take it back with me. Mm. Like your 50 minute session. Boom. That's it. It's left there. And we'll pick back up on it next week. And I have to do that because I have to create a work life balance for myself. My family shouldn't have to bear the burdens of the people that I help. Right. You know what I mean? So in lots of vacations, I have things that I look forward to, especially with COVID, not being able to take vacations. We're doing staycations. You know, we're looking at other avenues and ways to kind of break the monotony up. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, Okay. And with with um, because I know how do I like how do I not diagnose myself, but because I feel like I don't deal with emotional stuff either. Either it is or it ain't. And if it ain't, then I don't worry about it. it. So how do I know if I need to seek some kind of, you know, mental health help, I guess? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are classic signs like um, irritability, easily agitated, things like that. Um, If you're moping around the house, if you have signs of, you know, loss of appetite, decreased sleeping patterns, um, increased anxiety will increase anxiousness or, you know, things like that will kind of lead you down a path of like, maybe you might need some mental health, you know, especially depression. Depression Mm. is very prevalent. One in three people have depression. In the U.S. That is crazy. And it goes undiagnosed, though. That's the thing. Yeah. So, you know, you could, I mean, it's three of us, like, somebody in here got depression. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> just being real, you yeah. know what I'm saying? So, like, it's a real thing, you know. So you just got to kind of look at the patterns of people. And typically, somebody really close to you is somebody that can identify it. Because they can say, like, hmm, that's not normal. They don't really... They don't really use those behaviors that I'm that I'm starting to see. They're yeah. always tired, you know. They don't want to go anywhere. They self isolate a lot. That's a really big one. Self isolating. Mm. What about people who like have mood swings? Yeah. What is is that uh, like form of depression? Because I know for me, it's like sunlight makes me happy. Music music affects my mood like crazy. Yeah. Um, and then when when uh, me and my wife. When we were dating, when we first moved in together, I was always like, look, I got to have bright, loud colors because that's mood boost. Yes. If it affects my mood, if I'm just in a dark room all the time. And so we had this little discussion. I'm like, I just I just need to be around light. I need to be around when as soon as I wake up in the morning, I like to open the blinds, get that sunlight in. Mm -hmm. Does that also can that also help with? Um, with your depression yeah yeah absolutely a lot of that plays into the endorphins in the body 
you know, it's and a explain lot of, endorphins yeah. because I just found out what endorphins is probably like two or three years ago. <laughs> so explain what are endorphins? Endorphins is a hormone. So typically, when people release endorphins, it can give you a feeling of euphoria, like a feeling of joy or things like that. Um, people who are suicidal that uh, have suicidal ideation, they typically cut to release endorphins. It's it's almost like a high. It makes mm. you feel better. So when you're opening up the blinds and you're seeing bright colors, that's also why, like at children's hospitals, they have hallways painted with bright colors because it's it's a form of psychology it makes you naturally feel better like your warm colors like your yellows your your um, oranges colors like this is inviting you have your warm colors it's like you know your light blues and things like that and then your grays and your blacks are kind of like your dark colors that and they affect mood yeah so that's why they have a direct correlation yeah mm-hmm. so what what how is the best way like if you know somebody that's dealing with something like this, what is the best way to kind of introduce either some kind of mental health therapy or something like that? Yeah. What's the best way? I always tell people, you know, approach it how you would want to be approached. You know, when you talk to somebody, do you want them to come to you and be like, here's a therapist contact information. I think you need it. <laughs> no. You know, or do you want them to be like, man, you all right? Like, girl, what's going on? Like, yeah. make it a conversation. And then you can say, you know what? I know somebody that uses X, Y and Z. You know, Mm. and then see if they're open to that idea because you don't want to just throw that out there and then they not. It's like a defense mechanism is kicked up real quick, especially black men. First thing y'all want, I don't need no therapist. You need a therapist. Like, uh, hey, well, all right, I'm done. You know what I mean? I I, I know from I know for me for as a black man talking to somebody about your problems, it make you seem weak. It make it make you seem like you ain't got everything under control. And that's a cultural stigma that needs to be like completely done with. Yeah, it does. It really does. Our black men are suffering and they suffering in silence. Yeah. You know, and there's so much trauma associated with that mentality. Yeah. And I I wonder, is it because I know um, like for me, I feel like I'm at a point I'm at the age where my father right now can't teach me nothing new. He can't teach me anything. All the lessons that I needed to learn or needed to 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 have. I've already passed that point. I've already learned them, got them from somewhere else. So now it's like I've got into the habit of just finding out for myself. So now I don't like going to nobody to talk to them. I don't like going to to ask questions, you know what I mean, about certain things that I feel like I should already know. You know what I mean? But but who teaches the teacher? Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because you got to, I mean, if if your well is empty, who's pouring into you? Because you don't know everything. So it's like, so what are your resources? You know, because I think that's the mentality, right? It's like, I don't, you know, I'm a grown man. I don't need my dad no more. I'm a father. Right. I'm a husband. Right. Okay, that's great. But like, where are you getting your cup full at? YouTube. Man. (laughs) Honestly, YouTube is a great resource. I'm not going to lie. It's an excellent resource. You know, but you got your Reddit, your Google, your, you know, and I say that because like, you know, my boyfriend has that. He, he's really big on like, like knowledge and research. Mm. I mean, he has so many different topics that he's really strong in. Yeah. Whereas I'm like, I don't really care about that. Like, but I see the point because it's like, you don't really have nobody that you're going to go seek. Now he has his dad. They, they, they chop it up. Yeah. But you know, naturally a black man is not out here just being like, man, can you teach me? Right, because no, it seems, yeah, it's, it, it, it just feels weak. Even when you just said that, 
hey man, can you teach me? That just sound like, ugh, like really? I, yeah, it did. It it, wow. it just made me kind of cringe. Like, but why? Why does why does that make you cringe to ask for help? Have you been taught not to ask for help? Not taught, but I think just experience. That when you go to somebody for help, you at a um, disadvantage kind of, I feel like, mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, yeah, now this person can tell me anything. Mm-hmm. And now I'm I'm looking at them in like, um, like, oh, they know better than I do. But how do you learn if learning is a disadvantage? See, I, I don't. Like, I guess. I guess life yeah. is just experience. Life is a great teacher. Yeah. But I'm saying like if you got your Bill Gates of the world. And they come and they say, I want to teach you. I want to put you up on game. And it's not Forex. <laughs> and they say, and you say, no, nah, man, I'm, I'm good. I'm all right. I'm all right. But they're multimillionaires. So here's my thing. Here's what, if somebody has what I want, then, yes, I will go and just and learn from them. Yeah. But I, I guess me going to say, hey, can you teach me? I wouldn't. I'll be like, yo, how you do that? Yeah, I'll go in and start asking questions. And right, then. Right. But I wouldn't go to somebody and be like, yo, teach me this. But I would definitely, if they have something that I want, I would definitely reach yeah. out to them like, yo, how did you do that? How did you get to do that? Got you know it. what I mean? So if it's something you want to learn, you'll take the initiative. Yes. Got it. Okay. Yeah. I but like other than that, like, I don't. And 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 I, that's the one thing that I, I kind of, I feel like I'm not suffering from. But when, when I want to teach my son, right, I want to teach him that it's okay to be. Um, vulnerable, right? Mm-hmm. Because me growing up, I was taught that you got to be a man, you got to be tough, you got to be strong, right? But at the same time, I don't want my son to be no punk either, right? It's a so, balance. So it's like I don't. I feel like sometimes I don't know where or how to go because I only know what I know, Correct. right? Correct. And I only know what I know what he's gonna get involved in later on as yeah. he gets older because he's nine now. So right. I'm just like. What do I want to teach him? I want to teach him how to take care of himself, be able to defend himself. But at the same time, don't be no punk. Don't let nobody. Or no, excuse me. I I want him to teach him like it's okay to cry. It's okay to be soft. It's it's okay okay to to have emotions. Right. Right. I think the biggest thing there is teaching him when to use those emotions. You know Mm. what I mean? Like you as a parent, you're the best role model ever. You are the you have to model the behaviors that you choose for your child to learn. Yeah. Right. And who better than their parent, right. right? To model it. I think that's the problem with some fathers is that they try to put too much strength out in moments where it requires a little bit of nurturing. And so kids miss that emotion. And so they later on in life are trying to make up for that emotion using some terrible coping mechanism or something Mm, and so you got to learn how to yourself exert those emotions at the point in times when they're given like you trying to teach him t-ball or something he ain't getting it. he angry he frustrated you got to teach him how to channel that anger because if not that anger gonna manifest somewhere else later in life and you gonna have a problem on your hands right yeah so it's it's like that in regards because all behaviors learned right Right. Okay. Now, what what do you feel about? Um, I know you mentioned like coping mechanisms. Sure. What do you feel about uh, self medicating, like weed, like marijuana? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I'm not against it. I feel like you know, if you use it responsibly, that's up to you. 
You know, I will tell people, though, once it becomes something that you are addicted to, then that can be a problem. You know, some people self-medicate. They got glaucoma. Okay, well, it's helping. Yeah, you know, yeah. some people have anxiety. Well, it's helping. Right. You know, but if it's becoming an addiction, something that I got to wake and bake on, it may be a problem at that point, and you may need to see a professional. But, I mean, to each his own. Everybody has a lifestyle that they choose to live. I'm not opposed to people smoking marijuana to self-medicate, but I also know there are other avenues that you can use to help you deal with whatever you're dealing with. Yeah. Okay. And also, um, what about alcohol? Do do you, I mean, is alcohol in that same realm? I don't really recommend alcohol. I don't. I I think alcohol abuse is too easy to fall into. Um, I think people aren't always aware of addictive patterns that they may have, addictive behaviors in their family, Mm. you know, um, and especially because some families just don't talk. So you won't know that your grandpa was an alcoholic and you find yourself drinking, Mm. you know, bourbon, whiskey, you know, whatever your choice is every time you go through something. And before you know it, you're an alcoholic, you functional, you moving around about, you drunk. And so I don't recommend it. But if you like to have a glass of wine whenever you stressed out. So be it. But yeah. I don't recommend like hard liquor and Okay. You know. Okay. Like just socially Social drinking is healthy. That's okay. You know, okay. you just out, you you know, it's a good thing. Yeah. But once you start to find yourself, oh, I'm I'm drinking four drinks a day, it's hard liquor, I'm not I'm not using any chasers, like it's just straight. Yeah. Now we might be having the we might have a problem. No problem. Yeah. yeah. We might have a problem on our hands. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I, I, um, and I, I just realized that I have anxiety, right? Okay. Can you give me some coping mechanisms? Because large crowds give me anxiety like crazy. Got Especially, it. It, like, that's, why, that's one of the reasons why I haven't been out to protest. Because that shit makes me, like, because, I, and I, I, my wife asked me, she was like, something probably happened when you was a kid mm-hmm. that makes you afraid of large crowds yeah yeah Yeah, because that's what i would ask i would ask you know when did it start when did you start fearing large crowds was it when you were a kid in high school you know what what was it when did that initially start so i know i noticed it when i went to college okay when i went to college i was at and you know um because i I'm, i'm from los angeles right okay and Anytime there was like an event, a house party, uh, like a bunch of kids, it was always something happening. Yeah, you know what I mean? Exactly. And so when I got to college and then I realized when I was in a big crowd, I was like, oh, shit, something about to happen. Something's about to go wrong. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't like when people start running in crowds like right. that shit like, drives my so nerves it sounds crazy. Like you don't like to be in places that you can't control the environment. Yeah. 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 And that's a form of PTSD. Yeah. Post-traumatic stress disorder because you had experienced it in college. And so now you have a negative predisposition towards it as an adult. So it creates a form of anxiety, which is a form of fear. Mm. Yeah. And so your natural response to fear is either fight or flight. Right. And so you're like, I'm not going to go because flight going <laughs> to yes. be the response. Yes. You know? And then especially... My anxiety is even heightened if I got my family with me. Oh, absolutely. Because I'm like, Anybody. man, there's no way in the world that I want to put my family in that yeah. situation. And then this is one thing that I was like, damn, I'm glad I didn't. I seen this on, on Instagram, right? Okay. It was a guy in Atlanta with his family, and they were in, in the back of the truck passing out waters to all the protesters. And the police started shooting tear gas 
at everybody in the street and it got in the little kids' eyes. And then all you see is a cut to another video where all the kids in the, in the car are crying. The guy is crying. The wife is crying. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, and and I and I start putting myself in that situation. Exactly. When I tell you, I started sweating, and I'm in my house just watching this. Yeah. I'm just like, ain't no way in the world. Like, nah, I can't. I'm a I'm a just protest right here from the yeah, house. Yeah, because you gotta you have you already have a predisposition to be a protector. Yes. So to imagine your limitations on protecting your family by putting yourself in them in that situation definitely will give you anxiety, hands yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. that's man that. That yeah. just drives me crazy. Exactly. But with anxiety, you have to learn how to be to manage it internally versus externally. You know, like, I don't know what you do when you're at home, like what your self-care looks like. But a lot of that plays into being anxious as well, like preparing yourself for things. Like, give me some give me some tips about like some self-care things that I could um, do at home. People, you know, you can listen to music. You can go to bed earlier. You can take baths. You can sit outside. You can work out. You can run. Like, all of those okay. are considered, like, self-care practices that you use to put your mind at ease. I teach my clients grounding techniques all the time. Mm. What to do in the moment. If you're, if you're anxious, you find yourself about to go into a panic attack. What will you do in that moment? And so those are the kind of things that I teach my clients that have anxiety. Okay. I used to meditate. Like I used to. Meditation is awesome. I used to meditate, um, but I don't know why I got away from it. But I used to meditate. And what I used to try to practice doing is when I'm in outside where, where it is a large crowd, I used to try to just center myself and just meditate in that moment. Yeah. So I won't feel my heart start yeah. racing and starts doing stuff. Yeah. And I'm just like, a lot of times I can't, I, I'm not afforded where I can do that all the time. No, you know what I mean? It's hard to escape sometimes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And so in that moment, I would say, okay, you need to have something that's going to ground you and keep you from having a heightened awareness in that moment. So I teach people to do five senses, you know, five and senses. You, you tap into your okay. five senses. So if I say, I want you to focus on a color, like in this room, I say, I want you to focus on a color. Tell me five things that are black. Tell me five things you see that are black. So, you know, you're doing your five senses. Oh, uh, okay. And so you, we go all the way down until we get to taste. And I'm like, tell me one thing you taste. Uh, you see what I mean? That's black. Yeah. Tell me, tell me four things you can touch. Tell me three things you can hear. You see what mm. I mean? And so it makes you present in your moment and not so heightened with where you are. Yeah. And I know, I know a lot of times... Um, when I get when I get nervous, I make jokes. Like uh-huh. I, I when I get, <laughs> when I get nervous yep. or if a situation is yep. too tense, I just start making jokes and people be like, Dante, you got to be serious. You got to like, start being trying to lighten the mood. Yeah, because like, yeah. I, I don't like it to be tense. Yeah, you like it's too heavy. Yeah, yeah. I like I yep. like to be my my natural or where I feel best is where I'm just loose, having fun. Right. Talking, right. you know what I mean. That's when I feel the best. Most comfortable. Yeah, right. yeah but. Yeah, yeah. So let me ask you this. For somebody who is um, like within George Floyd's family, right, yeah. that's dealing with this sure. um, a death in their family, how, what are some coping mechanisms that they can use to deal with this? Um, I would say they're all going through some stage of grief. There okay. are five stages to grief. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. 
So what did it say that again? Denial, denial. anger, uh-huh. bargaining, bargaining, depression, depression, acceptance, acceptance. Yeah. Okay, okay. And so everybody, whenever you have some type of death or anything, you know, you go through stages of grief. Some people maneuver through them quicker than others. So the family is all dealing with some stage of grief at this point. So the biggest thing I would say is to identify what stage of grief they're at first. I'd recommend probably going to a grief counselor. Mm. Um, And if they're not open to counseling, one of the biggest things is surrounding yourself around family. You know, there's nothing like having someone that you can talk to that's going through the same thing. Mm. It, It typically helps you process your emotions a lot better. Uh, because isolation doesn't help grief. It only perpetuates depression. Mm. So I would tell them journal. Journal their emotions out. You know, and some people have a hard time free journaling. Just yeah. being like, man, today I feel like X, Y, and Z. Some people struggle with that. Yeah, yeah. So I always recommend um, a journal prompt called 52 List for Calm. 52 lists. 52 lists for calm. Um, the author's last name is Moria, M-M-O-R-E-A. Okay, okay. And so you can get it on Target, Amazon. It's like 10 bucks. But okay. it's really good. It's, it's like 52 lists, literally. And you can write it, you know. And you can go, you can do it by weeks if you want. Write one list a week. And it gives you an activity to do with it. Yeah. But it holds you accountable, you yeah. know. I think that's the big thing when you're going through grief, too, is have accountability as you go through grief. But that's what I would recommend to the family. I know that times like this are hard, too, with COVID and the pandemic, because it's like only a few people could go to the funeral. Right. You know, so that in itself is very stressful. Yeah. See, that's crazy, because I know when I'm feeling down, I'm feeling depressed about something. Like, I, I, I isolate myself yeah. just so I could deal with my emotions because I hate putting my emotions on All other people. people. Yeah. So I try to distance myself and people be like, where Dante? I'm just, I'm just, I'm in my own corner. Let me deal with my emotions. And once I get myself back to normal or I feel where I'm then comfortable. I'm yeah, then I'm ready to come back out and talk and, right. you know, have fun again. But I, I've, I've been blessed in a sense where I haven't had to deal with somebody directly close to me dying you yeah. know what i mean besides my grandmother and you know we kind of expected yeah, it yeah, yeah absolutely but i haven't dealt with it but i know people who have yeah. and it's like i don't know what to say in the moment or what to do yeah when somebody else is grieving that i love you know what i mean i think the, I know. the the worst thing somebody can say is you know um they would want you to do x y and z in the moment and I say that because when I when a person is grieving, they don't want to hear what they could or should do. Mm. They just want to hear condolences, sympathy or empathy. OK. You know, and let's say we both lost our grandmother mm-hmm. in that moment. I'm going to say, man, I'm so sorry. I know exactly what that feels like. I'm here if you need anything, you know. Mm, OK. And that's it. But I'm not going to say. I'm sorry, man. I know what that feels like. I remember when my grandma died. We did. I don't want to hear that. I don't care about your grandma. Like, I ain't trying to be funny, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't care. Yeah, I don't, period. Because you're only even bringing me back to memories. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I ain't trying to go there right now. Thank you. I appreciate you. Bye. Yeah. You know, yeah. kind of thing. So I think people just need to learn how to have sympathy and just be very short with it. Mm. Let me know how I can help you. I'm here if you need me praying for you and the family let us know what we can do mm, you know right. very simple what's your address yeah you know people you really rocking with what's your address yeah. i'm gonna send you something mm. you know what i mean yeah. or when you're ready let me know I'm, I'm here for you 
You know, very short, very simple, very to the point, because people don't want to, you know, you're grieving. I'm not trying to go into detail with you right now. Right. When I am, I'll reach out to you and I'll do that. Mm, so you shouldn't you shouldn't try to force yourself on them and yeah. try to just be like, look, I got you. We need to go out. We yeah. need to. It's, it's just not healthy because people grieve in different ways. Like I told you about the stages. Yeah. If I'm angry, I'm really not trying to go out with you right now because I'm liable to go off on you, too. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and use you as a catalyst for my aggression. And that's not fair. Now, depending on the person, their friends know them. They know how they operate. So you have those people that can say, let's get out the house, let's go. And they be like, ooh, I'm glad you got me out the house. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. But, again, that's person-based. Uh. But to a complete stranger like George Ford's family, we're not going to be like, let's go. Let's get out the house. Yeah. Like, they need to get out the house. They need to go somewhere. They need to go to brunch. Yeah. Like, no, we're not, that's not what we're going to say yeah. for them. <laughs> my home, I'm, I'm thinking about it because one of my homeboys, his dad passed. And some of his homeboys was like, nigga, come on, we going to the strip club. <laughs> <laughs> they at the strip club. Typical black stuff. <laughs> and they told the stripper, like, yeah, my homeboy, his dad passed. And she danced with like, yeah, I heard about your daddy. <laughs> 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 this, is, this ain't what he need, but this is what he this need. This is what he need, but this is what he need. Listen. And they meant that. They was really trying to be of a help. They yeah, probably yeah. paid for that lap dance and everything, too. Bro, we got you. Poe up. We yeah, got you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So what what got you into uh, into this field? What made you want to pursue this? Um, to be honest, I dealt with um, my family's own issues, you mm. know, of substance abuse. And um, my mother and my father and my okay. grandparents raised me. Praise God, you know, they're in much better places now. But early on in my life, that's how I grew up. Mm. And so very early, I had an idea that was like, I'm not smoking. I'm not drinking. I'm not doing this. And I'm not doing that. Mm -hmm. And it was like, and when I get old enough, I'm going to be a therapist because I want to know how people think. I want to know why this is a thing. Why they did that kind of thing. And so that's really what got me into initially. But then I was a coach for eight years. I coached volleyball and soccer. And my students would come to me with all their problems and be like, coach, you should be a therapist. No lie. Coach, you should be a therapist. And I'm like, and this was 2013. And I was like, yeah, probably. Yeah. So same year, I went back to school and got my master's degree. Oh, wow. Yep. Okay. And they all came to my graduation. Really? All your, your whole Wow. That's dope. Yep. See, I, I feel like I could be a therapist, too, only because I'm nosy. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Only because I'm nosy. Because I, I be wanting to, like, yo, man, I, I know, I know, yeah, I, I can help you out with that. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I'm nosy. As, I'm nosy. That's the only reason why. You see, but the question is, what you do with that nosy information? Nothing. I just take it with me. I just oh, okay. hold on to yeah. it. You know what I mean? Well, I don't, you possibly could be a therapist. Because yeah, therapists have to be inquisitive. Yeah. And I, don't, I, I would hate for somebody to tell my business. You know right. So yeah, exactly. I'm definitely not going to go real. out to tell nobody else yeah. business. But I know um, I, I ain't going to tell somebody business. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say something. See? Like, no confidentiality. Yeah. See, you can't be no therapist. Give it up. Give it like, up. Get there, yeah. That's funny. <laughs> All right. Um, now, this is something, like, I always wonder about. And I don't know if you can even speak to it. Like, what state of mind does somebody have to be in that that's suicidal? Because for me, like, I love me. You know yeah. what I mean? But And I'll be wondering, like, like where, is the, where does somebody's mind go where they just like, you know what, fuck it. I'm just about to, I'm ending it. 
Yeah. And I, I just, I'd be wondering, like, like, is it that bad? Because I've had bad days, you sure. know what I mean? Where I'd be, I'd be like, man, fuck it. Yeah. But I never go to the point where I want to kill myself. You take your life. Yeah, yeah. It's more just like, you know what? I just need to take a nap when I wake <laughs> up. <laughs> when I take a nap, everything will be back Boy, good. Boy, that's you know? common black thing. Go lay down. <laughs> yeah. Go lay down. You feel better when you get up. So I'd be wondering, like, how, what is, what is somebody's mind be when they're when they become suicidal? So the coin term in, in my profession is suicide ideation. Those are the thoughts that perpetuate suicide. And so a lot of those thoughts come from a depressive state. Um, Some of those thoughts could be low self-esteem, very low self-worth, isolation, feeling alone, feeling depleted, feeling like you can't make a difference in the world or impact people, feeling like you don't have anybody. Mm. These kind of feelings, feeling like the pain is unbearable, whatever you're dealing with. That you can't manage it, that you can't get on the other side of it. So a lot of times people who have suicidal ideation typically have that kind of thought process. And so it's self-defeating, the thought process is. So someone with low self-worth, they may feel that they don't add value to anybody's life. So why not take theirs? Because they don't have any purpose for being here. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. what we do when I worked in the schools, we'll get what's called a Columbia suicide rating scale. And, you know, we would go through the scale, ask the questions. And at the end, it would, you know, you could calculate it and determine if they were like moderate, severe, pretty much low. And you could tell based on the questions. Have you ever thought about committing suicide? Do you have an active plan? Now, that term active plan is what separates someone who's suicidal from suicidal ideation. Mm. So if you're suicidal, you typically have an active plan, and you know what you're going to do, and you know how you want to do it. Goodness gracious. Yeah, suicidal ideation is, I just have them thoughts every now and again of how I, you know, I'm just depressed and I'm low and I shouldn't be here. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, a, that's, that's, that's a crazy place to be yeah, mentally. Absolutely. It's a rough place to be. What what could somebody do who who feel who's feeling like that? What are some things that they can do? Um, some different things besides, you know, like we, we already talked about. Yeah. What are some things that can pull them out of that? Um, groups. Groups typically people can go to what's called an um an IOP program. They can go to inpatient outpatient programs, uh, residential treatment programs. Those are the kind of programs people go when they're suicidal. Because they they typically will take you to like a behavioral health hospital. Mm, okay. And from there, you'll stay however long they feel like you need to stay. But you then get a team of people. You get your psychiatrist, psychologist, your LPCs. You know, you get a team of people that's going to help you. And then they put you in groups. And then they say, okay, let's move through these emotions. And then you may, like, graduate out, essentially. Like, let's say you've been there a week. Now they say, okay, go home, but we're going to send you to an outpatient program and you may go to that three times a week it's just a group of people mm. so typically when you're suicidal that's like in my office if i got a suicidal client i'm saying okay you have an active plan yes all right well we're, we're done here let's get you over to a behavioral health hospital mm. because it's a liability yeah 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 okay does um does your and I know this is kind of going to another. Does your birthday or when you was born have anything to do with like mo- your mental state, or is that like a kind of like a myth? 
So I don't really think it does. I mean, a lot of people are into zodiacs, right? A lot yeah. of people are into their sign. I'm a Sagittarius. Okay. I feel like I'm true to my sign. Okay. You know, we can be very rude sometimes. We can be sarcastic, but we have very big hearts. And once we love you, we ride for you. That's just the kind of people we are. And I feel like I'm true to that. But I don't feel like that necessarily affects my mental state, right? Mm. I don't feel like it affects the decisions that I make. I feel like my life experience drives those. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So I don't really feel like birthdays. You know, people are like, oh, solar around the moon again. The solar eclipse. Yeah. Maybe yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. It's like, nah, you wanted to do that. You just picked that time <laughs> to do this. That plan. Yeah. Is um is depression um is it uh what is it called? Where you I forgot the word. Where you pass it down? Uh, Generational. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's hereditary. Okay. Depression can be hereditary. Um, anxiety can be hereditary. Yeah, you can pass them down the line. You sure can. Really? And you'd be surprised. I, I have clients come in all the time. Yeah, my mom had anxiety and my uh, grandmother had anxiety. But what it is is the behaviors that are perpetuated. They they model this. They see this. They see that my grandmother's anxious. They see that my mother's anxious. They see that mom worries a lot. So then as you get older, you take on those same behaviors. I'm a worry ward. I worry a lot. I'm anxious. You know what I mean? And so... Mm. Yeah, and is it passed down through the mother more or through the father more, or it just depends? You know, I've seen more so the mother, mm. um, as opposed to the father. But again, fathers go undiagnosed and undetected all the time. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I need to tell my wife then because she's not a worry. <laughs> she's not a worrier. <laughs> She's not a warrior, but it's some things I'd be like, hey, hey, don't do Listen, that. Listen, wife, I had nothing to do with that. <laughs> this is my disclaimer. <laughs> don't do that around the baby. I'm just <laughs> Yeah. Oh, but, man. you know, that's the interesting thing you say that because they say when we're when the baby's in the womb, you have to be careful about the emotions that you carry. Mm, because yeah. when the baby comes out, they will have those same emotions. And I fully agree with that. Uh, yeah. My daughter's very chill. Really? Mm-hmm. And you were chill throughout your whole pregnancy? I had pregnancy. a pretty chill pregnancy. I yeah. did. I had no, I didn't have a hard pregnancy at all. It was very chill. Yeah. She came out a very chill baby, very happy baby. But I know some people stressed, depressed, baby come out very colicky, very crying all the time, angry, upset. Like yeah. they, they channeled the emotions. Wow. Okay. And there's nothing, there's nothing else um, that women can do to kind of like, not give it to the baby or just make sure she's happy or even if the even if the mom does have those kind of feelings or whatever yeah. there's nothing you can do to the baby to kind of i guess take those anxieties away from her or take that depression no i think more so it'll be on the mom it'll be on the mom to have some good healthy self-care practices you know, mm, like okay. I said, baths and different things like that. Maybe yoga, mindfulness, meditation, things like that that tap in with you and the baby and make you become one. Like I remember when I was pregnant, I, I would take a lot of baths before I couldn't take baths. And then I would I would just rub my stomach and talk to her, mm-hmm. you know, and be very intentional about it. I love you, yeah. you know. And so I think some of those practices create a safer space mentally for the mother and the baby. You know, and that's not the case for some people. They grow up in very tumultuous environments. Yeah. But, you know, just trying to manage it, I think, is the biggest thing. Okay. And I heard, I seen something on Instagram, too, where it was saying that um, black black men are walking around being feared, right, by other, by other white people. Sure. But also 
black people are walking, black men are walking around in fear of those same white people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, what does that do to somebody's psyche where they, on one hand, they scared of you, but on the other hand, you scared of them. And it, I feel like that creates um, just a dangerous environment. It's like oh, almost yeah. lighter fluid and a little light, you know what I mean, a little fire that once they once they collide, yeah. it's gonna it's gonna spark a big a big old fire. And it's like I don't know what to do, and I don't know what to do or what to say to my son. You know what I mean? That I know that he's may. He may have, he may is going to experience some of this. Sure. And I don't know what to say. I don't know what I'm going to be able to do, how I'm going to handle it. Because as a parent, I'm going to be upset. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. But me being able, me experiencing on my own, the only thing I'm going to do, because only thing I'm going to do is tell him what I would do. Right. 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 And, I'm, and to me, I'm at the point where racism don't even affect me no more. Because I've seen it, and if you give that power to other people, then they take advantage of that. Yeah, you know what absolutely. I mean? But at the same time, I don't want to turn a blind eye to it. But I just it don't it don't affect me the same way. And it's just it's mentally I'm just like going through my head about okay, what could I tell him? What could what am I gonna say to my son when he comes and say? Hey, he was picked on because of this, or he felt yeah. like he was he was discriminated against right. because of something, and it's like I don't know how to process that, and I I know I have a bad, um, I don't process my emotions In properly, you know what mm-hmm. I mean, or all the way. Sometimes I just be like, yeah, fuck it, don't even worry about it, right? And I, but I I don't want my son to do that, you know what I mean? I want him to be able to like, okay, tell me what's going on, talk through it, yeah, through it. yeah, exactly. T- tell me what's going on. Tell me how you're feeling. I, you know, honestly, I recommend that you start off with explaining what fear looks like. I don't believe that in you fear. Educate your, but you need to educate yourself on fear. It doesn't matter what you believe in. You're trying to teach the next generation. And so if you go off of everything that you've learned, he'll never learn anything. Mm, okay. So you have to teach yourself so that you can teach the next generation. So you teach yourself what fear looks like. And you ask him, what does he fear? Does he have any fears? Is he afraid of anything? You see what I mean? Mm. And then you teach him what anxiety looks like. Because this is the thing. He needs to know what those things look like when he sees it. So that he can be aware and have a one-up on everything that's going on. If you teach him what anxiety looks like, if you teach him what fear and fight or flight look like, when he sees it, he can choose to respond a different way than most people would respond. Like, for you, I don't believe in fear. That's the most black man term. I hear it all the time. I don't believe in fear. But it's like, you fear something. You just said it. Because you were like, well, you know, we're living in fear of, like, the what the white people do to us, the cops. And then they living in fear of what we'll do to them. Essentially, there's a fear there. There's some anxiety there. And there's 30 hormones being triggered when that happens. And 1,400 chemical responses that are happening when fear strikes. So I'd be I'd be afraid that I'm just going to be perpetuating or just transferring that fear over to him. That's why I kind of tell him, like, there's no such thing as fear. Yeah, you don't you don't teach him that there's no such thing as fear. You teach him how to manage and deal with fear. If there is a fear, why is that? Why is that a fear for you, son? Mm. And you talk through it and you work through why that's a fear for him, because what you don't fear, he may fear. 
Mm, But why? Why is that a fear? And then you talk about why that shouldn't be a fear or et cetera. But you never just leave stuff as a bold statement. You shouldn't fear nothing. And then he go out. I don't fear nothing. And then he get in a whole bunch of trouble because he's been taught not to fear anything when technically you should be able to gauge a situation and determine if it could potentially be fearful. Not living in fear. Gauge a situation and determine if it could possibly be fearful. Mm, it's okay. a difference. Yeah. But it's all about educating yourself to educate the next generation. Not being so stuck in your ways and your own patterns that you can't teach your son. Because, you know, the whole big thing now is why te- white people teach your kids. Right? Right. But we need to teach our kids, too. Right. Not just them. I th- I feel like with black people, that's just automatic. You Like, from time they able to start mingling with other kids, hey, you can't do that. Hey, that that's not, no, you can't. You say that, but um, that's not happening for everybody. No? Some people are moving their families to predominantly white neighborhoods, and they are going to predominantly white schools. Yeah. And they are teaching them to act a predominantly white way. And so when they come out, they've got all these white friends, but then stuff like this happens and they're struggling because they don't really have any black friends to connect with to be able to talk about it. So they put them in Jack and Jill pageants trying to make up for hood classics that they should have learned. Right, right, right. I'm just saying it's a real thing. Yeah. Mm, Okay. Oh, shit. I got press my emotions i guess i just i just want to talk to you because i i feel like you you've like shed some light on some things that i'm just like dang i never looked at it like that you know what i mean like i never thought about but i feel like it's all up here mentally that i need to control and like i said my dad wasn't there so everything that i had to figure out i had to figure out on my own and it's like to me, my, my son got a leg up because he got somebody that is telling him, like, yay, yeah. this is what you're supposed to do. This right. is what you're not supposed to do. Right. Where well, I how do you it. teach what you don't know? YouTube. Right. <laughs> YouTube. But at what point does, is YouTube not good enough? Um, when is YouTube not good enough? I think YouTube isn't good enough when it comes to really dealing with emotions. When it really comes to like how, like you said, to act talking, talking, talking through him about fear, you know what I mean? Because YouTube, it, there's no, there's thousands of videos on there. There's nothing on there about fear or you know how oh. to judge a situation or what you should do in a situation. There's self defense stuff on there, right? But emotionally, there's no. I don't. I don't, at least I never looked it up. Let me say yeah, that. Yeah, you've never looked it up because it's there. Yeah. You know who's really good about discussing like things that overcome a fear mindset? Eric Thomas. Eric. You Thomas. familiar with Eric Thomas? Yeah. The, the hip hop. Uh, yeah. yeah. He, he he. You know his message is really surrounded around like like that's not what we're gonna do. Like you know we're gonna rise above that. You know and he talks about when you want something as bad. As you want to breathe, kind of concept. Yeah, yeah. Like I feel like things like that are the things that you want to send down the pipeline to your son. It's like, like you you got to grind it out, but like it can really happen for you. Yeah. But you also can't come in like I'm the master of my fate. Mm. 
Yeah. But I'm saying he was extremely intelligent. Mm-hmm. But he was intelligent because he read a lot of books. Books, yeah. And he had some real life experiences that made him intelligent. Nip was all about his community. Yeah. Buying black. Yeah. Like buying up the block, literally giving people the tools to be successful. He was like, you know, we need to raise this generation not to be the rappers and all that. Like they need to be engineers, doctors, lawyers. You know, and so those are the things that you want to steal into the next generation. Yeah. He got one book called Spooked by the Door. I've seen the movie. Yeah. And I, and I wrote, I read a little bit of the book. It was, it was dope. Yeah, dope. Yeah. Good stuff. I mean, so how to, how to win people. Like mm. all these different books, like these is the kind of stuff that you have to read and send down a pipeline though. Because you're not having to read that. Right. Right, right. But right. when you educate yourself, you give him, that's the real one up. That's the real, I didn't have my dad, so I'm going to be different. Mm. So you breaking generational curses when you do that. Yeah. And I know I suffer. And, I, and ever since, um, honestly, it, it, until uh, Charlemagne the God, ever since he's been talking about mental health, yeah. I've been like doing like little checks on, like, how do I feel about that? Yeah, you know absolutely. what I mean? And I, I know I suffer from not feeling worthy or not feeling yeah. good enough to be able to to do certain things you know what yeah, i mean yeah and it's like how do how do i how do i rid myself of that feeling yeah. where i'm feeling like you know like I, i'm i should be on a, a bigger platform you know what i mean yeah. i should be able to do this and do that but i once i once i once i tap into it i'll be like yes and then i get all the way to the edge and i'll be like oh shit hold and we on. call it imposter syndrome Mm. A lot of times, like, we get to where we want to be. We do everything we got to do to get there. And then we don't feel like we're good enough and we shouldn't be there. Imposter syndrome. And so it's like you got all the talent. You got all the ability to be better than whatever. Right? Your platform should be huge. Right? Yeah. Because it's a belief. You believe in your brand. You believe in tapping podcasts. Yeah. Right? So you get that far with it. But then it's like, man, I don't know. I don't know if I should really be like, is this really happening? Like, to me, like, should, imposter syndrome. Yeah. And so, you know, we, we you, in a case like that, we use what's called cognitive restructuring. So we're trying to get you to think differently about you and about your circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. And I always, I, I, I tell myself now, once I get to that point, I know that's a, where fear is. Yeah. That I'm going to just take the next step. And whatever happens from there, then just let it happen. And it's just me trying to get rid of certain things. Yeah, certain things in my mind. Yeah, where I'm just like, you know what? I know this is, uh, I'm afraid of it. Because I know a lot of of my friends do comedy, right? Right. And me and my homeboys, we had a conversation about, like, are you afraid to be successful? You know what I mean? Successful is, it's a lot of responsibility when you become successful. Are you afraid to be successful? And at the time, he was like, nah, we ain't, like, being successful, that's what everybody want to yeah. do. Right. But once you actually get there, and now it's like, it's real. you got to perform. You got to, yeah. you got to, the like, pressure's on. on. Yeah, it's like, damn. Yeah. I don't, I didn't know this is what it looked like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, but, you know, and I'm glad you said that because everybody want to be an entrepreneur, but everybody ain't got what it takes to be an entrepreneur. True that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Everybody want to own their own business. Like that's a, that's a whole new millennial thing. It's like I own my own business. I'm I'm out here getting money, and it's like, but what are you doing with the money? Right. And it's like, 
And I tell people, always know your why behind what it is that you want to do. When you ask me why I do what I do, I, it's rattling off. And I can tell you all my next plans for the next five years. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, yeah. like, a lot of people want what you have, but they're not willing to put the work in to get what you got. And so that imposter syndrome comes in when you really put that work in, and then you wonder if you're deserving of it. Yeah. And you said it's called cognitive 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 restructuring. restructuring. Yeah, because okay. you got to change the way you think. You can use a lot of positive psychology to help with that. You know, sticky notes, I'm the best, I got this. You know, people do that all the time. But whatever motivates you to become the best version of yourself, that's what you got to do to believe it. Okay. All right. Now, where can people find you again, uh, Helena? Um, they can find me at underscore LPC therapist, underscore okay. LPC therapist on Instagram. Uh, my business page is at better you, B-E-T-T-E-R counseling LLC okay. on Instagram as well. And uh, my website is www.bycounseling.com. Okay. And you do family counseling as well? I do family counseling, but I I focus on individual counseling. Okay. Um, And I see ages from 16 to 65. Okay. Yeah, so I got a pretty broad range. Okay. So no marriage counseling? I typically don't do marriage counseling. Okay. Uh, Typically that, or I'll refer it out to a licensed marriage and family therapist. Okay. And I like to stick with my scope of more anxiety, depression, those kind of things. But I do have a book. And they can get that on Amazon. The book is called Confidence is Key with the K. On Amazon? It's on I'm Amazon. I'm about to order that right yeah. now. Confidence is Key. And it's a 21-day uh, devotional. And it's focused just kind of on the mental health of going through problems and oppression and different things like that. Let me see. I'm about to order this shit Yeah, right I start now. with a K. Confidence is Key. Confidence is Confidence Key. Confidence is Key. Because, you know, the, this whole... Um, it was... Uh, yesterday was our... Juneteenth. Yep. You know what I mean? So I've seen everybody buying black books. Oh, yeah. So I want to And they've been that. buying black a lot. Yeah. What is it called again? Confidence is key Confidence. with a K. K-O-N-F-I-D-E-N-C-E. Okay. Confidence is key. You see it pop up on Amazon at $16.99. Hold on. It should be right when you pop up. Confidence, K O N F I D E N C E is. Show me a bunch K- of necklaces. Did uh-huh. I do this right? <laughs> they show me a bunch of necklaces on there. That's probably where you at in Amazon. Yeah, because I want. I need to give me some more books, man. You spelled confidence is wrong. I did. <laughs> <laughs> that's why. That's why I got that. What you? It's okay. <laughs> that's why I got a. What is it called on there? That's why this first should be the first thing that pop up. Oh, bad. Yeah, that's it. I'm buying this. I appreciate you. Yes, Buy ma'am. black, support black. Thank you. And they said I should get this tomorrow. Okay. Yeah, it's on Amazon Prime. Get that. It's a pretty good devotional, I will say. I wrote that at a rough time in life. Did you? Um, what was happening? It dropped April 2018. Um, I just went through a bad situation with another person and um, things with my, my body, a miscarriage, a lot of different stuff going on at that time and God was like I went dark and God was like just write really and so I wrote for 30 days and I came up with that oh that's dope yeah that's dope I, I, I should be getting that tomorrow then. okay cool and let yeah. me know give me some feedback let yeah me know how I you will like it. Yes, I will please, definitely please, please. 
Yo, go get The Confidence is Key on Amazon. This is a black author slash therapist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Slash, I feel like you just, you somebody like I need in my Rolodex. Like, hey, you know what I mean? Keep me on, keep me on speed dial. Yeah, okay. if I just need to call, be like, look, this is what I'm going through. How, <laughs> what do I, how do I deal with this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. How do I run through this real quick, I got man? you, I got you. So real quick, before I want, I want to make sure people get this. Leave your social again. I mean, not your social. <laughs> your social media. <laughs> <laughs> your social media stuff on there again. My social media is underscore LPC therapist. That is Instagram underscore LPC therapist. And you can reach me on my business page at Better You Counseling LLC. That's right. Yo, I appreciate y'all for tapping in. This has been the Tap In Podcast. Make sure you go and um, check on your mental health right now, especially um, at a time like this when everything is going haywire in the yes, world. Yes. Just tap in and make sure that you are you're taking care of yourself. Yo, this is the Tap In Podcast. Peace. Holla.